0: Anybody excited about Iron Bell being here first Wednesday in April? If you don't know who they are, go follow them on social media platforms. Download their two albums. You will be blessed. And the testimony from the lead singer is absolutely amazing. So it's going to be an incredible night. I hope you can join us that first Wednesday. Well, we kicked off a brand new series last Sunday called You Make Me Crazy, uh, talking about relationships. And last week we talked about six keys to peace in relationships. Um, And that message was a lot about wisdom. I have learned over the years that a lot of people ask God for wisdom at work or at school, but they don't often ask God for wisdom in their relationships. And I believe wisdom is needed most in our relationships. Today for part two, I want to call this finding the love of your life. Oh, don't get too romantic. (laughs) After you hear this, you may have second thoughts. All right? Um, And I want to start right here. Other than making a decision to follow Jesus, the two most important decisions that you will ever make, first of all, is this one, will I ever get married? Now, I want you to pause and understand that is a choice. You don't have to get married. Is that clear? That's your choice. I know it's a culture where most people get married, but you don't have to. Second question that that we have to, that's important, is who would be best for me? And the Bible has a lot to say about this issue. Proverbs chapter number 12, verse number 26 says, The righteous chooses his friends carefully. If the righteous person chooses his friends carefully, Don't you think he ought to choose his life partner carefully? The person that you are going to join yourself to for the rest of your life, you should choose. Everybody say choose. You should choose that person carefully. The problem is, is no one teaches us how to do that. There's not a class in high school on how to do that. Most of the time, our parents do not sit us down and say, here's 12 things you need to look for in a spouse. You don't get a lot of teaching on this issue. And a lot of people, I hate to say this, they end up in bad marriages because they are not prepared for marriage. They're not right for one another, and they end up in a difficult spot. Now, before I get into the meat of the message, I have to dispel three myths about marriage, all right, about relationships. Um, and this one these are gonna hurt a little for some people, But I want to go ahead and just bust this bubble and, and deal with this myth. Myth number one, God does not choose my mate for me. God doesn't choose my mate for me. It is your decision. It is your choice. God is not going to choose that. He has placed that responsibility on our shoulders And so we need to know, if you're in the dating game, I want to say this real quick. This is going to help anybody that's in the dating world, but it's also going to speak to married couples, all right? Is that fair? Some of the married people are like, I don't need this. I ain't dating. All right. I promise you're going to get something out of this. Um, But God is not going to put a sign in the sky that says, Mary, Barry, or Mary, Sherry. All right. If you're waiting on that, that is never going to happen. Some people say, you know, pastor, I'm not going to date. I'm going to wait. There's a word for that. Bachelor, bachelorette. (laughs) If you wait and do not date, nothing is going to happen. I get that all the time. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait on Romeo to fall out of the sky. He ain't falling, baby. You you better date somebody, right? You got to find out if this person is going to meet your standard or not. Hit your neighbor and say, it's okay to date. It's okay to (laughs) date. Now, if you're married, if you're married, date your wife. All right? Let's make that clear. So what kind of church am I in today? (laughs) God is not going to choose your mate. Myth number one. Myth number two. there There is only one right person for me. That's a myth. Uh, you know, <laughs> woo! thank the Lord. Thank Jesus. He came through. Now now let me say that statement, that statement is romantic, but it's not true. That statement is cute, but it's not biblical. Th- that that statement is not only not biblical, it's not logical to think that there is only one person on the planet that would be right for you. And I wanna give you an example of that. If that were the case, all it would take is one person to make the wrong decision on who they marry and then the domino effect takes place and we all messed up. Are you following? It would, there would be a domino effect and so what we have to understand, I know that's hallmark, but it's just not biblical. That there is only one person right for you. In your life, there will be multiple people, if you're in, a, in the dating world, that God would say, it's okay for you to marry them. So it's not just one person that's right. Number three, third myth I want to dispel, love alone is not enough reason to marry. Love alone is not enough reason to marry. And, and we believe in love here. We believe the importance of it. We believe it covers a multitude of sins. But, but we, we also need to understand that you may love one another, but the spiritual background is wrong. The family background is wrong. Your life purposes are not the same. You don't have the same energy. You don't have the same ambition in life. You're not focused on the same things. And after a while, listen, you may love them, but they're going to get on your nerves if nothing else lines up. They're going to bother you. So love is not enough reason to marry. Given the right situation, you could fall in love with different people based on different circumstances, and I know that some of you love Hallmark and you just can't believe that pastor said that because <laughs> you got the, the one and only, the only person that would ever fit with you. But you have to understand, just because you love someone doesn't mean you should marry them, all right? And, I, and I, I know that's tough. God is not gonna tell you who to marry. He's not gonna make that decision for you. But God does give us a description of the type of person we should be looking for the type of person that we should be open to the possibility of marriage. And I'm going to say something strong here. If they don't meet the qualifications that I'm about to give you, it's an automatic deal breaker. All right? So this is heavy. If they don't meet these, deal breaker. I can't marry you. Some of the parents are going to come and hug me after church. (laughs) Number one, we must have spiritual unity. We must have spiritual unity. Um, This means that the person you are going to join your life with, you have to believe the same things about God. That you two should serve God together. All right? You have to be unified on that. If you want to experience the depth of physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, sexual intimacy, you better make sure that the spiritual unity is present. That you both love Jesus because the most important relationship that you have is your relationship with Jesus. And so if that is your most important relationship and they're not a believer, then they have rejected your most important relationship. All right. So it's a deal breaker. If you love Jesus and they don't, stop dating them. Yeah, that's strong. Your marriage will never be as deep as it should be, and you'll never experience the intimacy that, that you desire if, if you guys are going in two different directions as it relates to things that are spiritual. All right? So God, God has to be the glue. It, it's great to have an awesome man and an awesome wom- woman, but how many you know God is the glue? God is the one that keeps it together. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, stop forming inappropriate relationships with unbelievers. Can right and wrong be partners? Can light have anything in common with darkness? Can a believer share life with an unbeliever? Sometimes people will come and and tell me all these qualities that they have in a fiancé. All these great, how much they they love them and how beautiful they are and, and, and all these things. But there's one problem. He or she is not a believer. That is a deal breaker. That is a deal breaker every time. You you can't move forward on that. And I love you enough to tell you the truth about that because the last thing I want you to do is to get married and five years from now be miserable. Yeah, okay, this is going well. It doesn't matter how much you have in common if they reject Jesus. It just doesn't matter. 2 Corinthians 6.14 again says, Do not unite yourself with an unbeliever. If we want God's best in our relationships, specifically in in dating someone with the potential to marry them, they need to love Jesus too. And and the cold hard facts are one in two marriages end in divorce. About 50% of them fail. How many know that's not great odds? That's not great odds. But those statistics drastically change if both the man and the woman are saved, love Jesus, and watch this—they do these three habits together. They come to church together, they pray together, and they read their Bible together. One in eleven hundred end in divorce. How I many of that's great odds? All right, so God, God's showing us that it works when we do it His way. And so I want to encourage you not to gamble on the second most important decision of your life. Other than don't gamble on who to marry. You need to make sure that's the right person, amen? We, we, have, to, we have to walk through that. Look at Romans 1.12. I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. God wants marriage to work like that, that, that you feed off of one another's faith, that your faith encourages your spouse. But if you're dating someone that doesn't know Jesus and you get married, And your faith can maybe encourage them in a tough season, but they don't have faith to encourage you. That's a problem. Our faith is to encourage one another. So there there has to be spiritual unity in the marriage. Secondly, we must have life purpose compatibility. Life purpose compatibility. What I mean by this is that both people have to be headed in the same direction. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? The obvious answer to that is no, they cannot. You can't walk this way and I walk that way and us end up in a good place. We have to be moving towards the same purpose. I, so many couples I talk to are going in different directions. The wife has a purpose and a plan for their family and the husband has a, a plan and purpose for the family and, and they're not going or moving in the same direction. They're moving in opposite directions. and And so... I'm going to say this, if you don't know your purpose yet, you're not ready to get married. If you don't know why God put you on the earth, you don't need to be married. You have to figure that. I'm not saying you can't date, but you shouldn't get married if you don't know why you exist yet. And the reason for that is, is that one day you're going to discover your purpose and it's going to be tough luck because your partner's not going to be on board with that because they didn't know it up front. How many of you need to be honest before we get married? What, what, what are my goals? What are my values? What, what is my purpose? What, what's my vocation? What's my career? What's God calling me to do? You, you have to have those conversations in order to move in the same direction. And so when we talk about purpose, God put us all here for a purpose, and he did three things. The first thing God did is that he shaped us. Hit your neighbor and say, God shaped you. He shaped you. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared good works in advance for us to do. Before you got here, God already had a plan for your life. He had a purpose for your life. You you have a purpose from God. And one day, listen, you will stand before God and he's going to ask you two questions. He's going to ask you two questions. The cool thing is, is he, he's given us these questions before the final exam, all right? The first question he's going to ask is, what did you do with Jesus? Number one. And number two, he's going to ask, what did you do with what I gave you? I don't want to bust anybody's bubble, but he's not going to ask, who did you marry? That's not one, one of the questions God is going to ask. He's going to ask, what did you do with Jesus? And did you fulfill the calling I put on your life? Did you fulfill the purpose that I had for you? And, and if you say, no, God, I'm sorry, but he was so cute. God's gonna say wrong answer, wrong answer. All right, not only did God shape you, but he has gifted you. First Peter tells us each of you has received a gift from God for serving others. Now you must be faithful to develop and use that gracious gift from God. So you have a gift from God, and, and God says, be faithful to it. How can you be faithful to the gift God has put in you if your partner's not in agreement with that gift? It's impossible. Impossible to be faithful to something God has called you to do if you're married to someone, because the two become one if they're not on board with it. All right? The third thing, not only did God shape you and gift you, but he has called you. Every Christian is called. God uses marriage to fulfill our callings. All right? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1: Brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. If you have a girlfriend or boyfriend that does not help you fulfill your calling, they're not the right one. If they are the right one, they will help you fulfill your purpose. God uses marriage to help us fulfill our purpose, to make us more effective. And so if we have different purposes, we have less impact. We can't accomplish as much if we're moving in two different directions. And the other part of that is, is we have conflict all the time. Constant conflict. So you got to ask, do we have the same purpose? The Bible tells us that there are advantages to being single. That's why the first thing I told you is that getting married is a choice. Nobody's holding a gun to your head. Paul says you can get done more by yourself sometimes, especially if you get hooked up with somebody going in a different direction. And so there are advantages to to being single because you can have uh, a solitary focus, undivided attention about something. Now, that's not an out for all the married folk. Are y'all here? Y'all struggling, aren't you? You're struggling. I I don't know if anybody's ever told you this or not, but I'm going to go ahead. I don't think I've ever even said this from the platform, but I'm going to say it today. Uh, Don't get nervous. It ain't that bad. A bad marriage is a thousand times worse than staying single the rest of your life. A bad marriage is a thousand times worse than staying single the rest of your life. It's better to be single and lonely than it is to be married and miserable. All right, all the people that are dating, I hope you're hearing me today. I hope you're getting this. The third, we have spiritual unity, life purpose compatibility, and number three, we must both be emotionally healthy. This one is so important. I did not say emotionally perfect. That's not what I'm saying. There are no no such thing as an emotionally perfect person. We're all broken people. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But how many of you understand this statement? There are some people who are more broken than others. And if they're if they're not emotionally healthy, if they're stuck emotionally, then we need, we need to give that person time, all right? Um, I heard a lady at uh, divorce court, here's what she said. She said, I want a divorce, and the judge responded back. He said this, but you promised to take him for better or worse. And she said back, yeah, but he was a whole lot worse than I took him for. (laughs) I love that. Study after study shows, watch this, 80% of separations and divorce is because one or both parties are emotionally unhealthy. Emotionally immature, emotionally stuck, emotionally deficient. And what I'll say about emotions is that you only have so much emotional energy to give. And when you're out, you're out. You only have so much emotional energy and passion to give. And so if you're going to get married, they need to be emotionally healthy. Now... Let's look at a checklist. Today's so practical. You're, gonna love, you're just going to write some bullets. You can go home and find out if this joker can stay or go, right? <laughs> here's, an, here's an emotional checklist. All right. This is not my opinion, this is God's word. Whoever I marry must have no uncontrolled anger. If they throw temper tantrums, I'm out. If they have uncontrolled anger, I am completely out. Well, pastor, I like bad boys. You know, I just like them a little mean, a little bad boy in them. Bible says that's foolish. All right? Not good. Some of the ladies are laughing. I don't know what that says, but hey. Proverbs 22:24. 24, I'm moving on. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. Do you know why you don't associate with someone who is easily angered? Is because uncontrolled anger reveals insecurity and a, a low self-worth. Insecurity and low self-worth. And if they don't like themselves, they're never going to like you. It's important that you don't get hooked up with someone that has anger, outbursts of anger. Extremely important. And if you date them long enough, you're going to see it. Right? You're going to see that come out. So, um, number two, checklist. Whoever I marry must have no addictions. No addictions. Zero addictions. Look at this scripture. These are non-negotiables. Proverbs 20 through 20. Don't associate with people who drink too much or stuff themselves with food. How much time do I need to spend on that? People who have too much alcohol and eat too much. Bible says run. <laughs> it says get away from them. Now, how many know, I know it says food and alcohol, but how many know there's a lot of addictions? I mean, we could add to that list drugs. You know, we could add to that list um, shopping. Or some people are addicted to recreation. They, they just got to have fun all the time. You know, they can't hold down a job because I got to have fun. I'm not going to spend any longer there. All right? The third one, checklist. Whoever I marry must have no bitterness. No bitterness. If I see bitterness, I should run. They have to deal with it before they can deal with you. They have to deal with their pain before they can deal with you. And a lot of people, the reason their relationships don't work is because they are still stuck in an old hurt. Stuck in, in, in an old um, Something that happened that created a resentment that keeps them from moving forward. I've sat in so many different sessions with couples, and, and the factor was that something happened to one or both of them that they couldn't get past. They were not able to move forward. They were bitter. And and you gotta let go of that if you're going to enjoy any level of intimacy in a relationship. And it doesn't matter, listen to me, it doesn't matter if you both have good jobs, you're both good looking. All, I mean, I, those are all added bonuses. But if you're bitter, I don't care how much money you have. If you're bitter, I don't, I don't care how attractive you are. It, it, it's not going to work. It's going to bring damage to the relationship. Bitterness is like a poison. It eats you alive. And whatever you resent, you begin to resemble. Well, I'm never going to be like my mom or my dad. Oh, really? What you resist often persists. And we become like those we say we would never become. Hebrews 12:15 says, Make sure you, you all have experienced the grace of God so that bitterness doesn't take root and grow, because that causes much trouble and will corrupt you we have to make sure we deal with our past. We have to make sure that we deal with our mistakes, that we deal with um, the sins that were against us, that we release people. How many know if you want mercy, you need to give it away? If you want grace, you should be a grace giver. And, and so we, we have to be people that can do that. And, and ladies, let me help you. If you want to see how a man is going to treat you, watch how he treats his mom and dad. Yeah. How do they treat their parents? You say, "Well, I'm not marrying his parents." Yes, you are. When you get married, how many know you marry them all? I'm preaching all right. I mean, you you marry them all. You 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 you're coming in alignment with not only that person, but man, their background, their family, their crazy uncle, all of them. You need to to look. How they treat their mom and dad, you know, that's going to say a lot. It's going to say a lot. Proverbs 20, verse 20 says, If you curse your father or mother, the lamp of your life will be snuffed out. Guys, that's one of the strongest verses I've read in a long time. If you curse your father or mother, the lamp of your life will be snuffed out. Extremely strong, but what does it mean? It literally means that you will miss the life God intended. That God had a life intended, but if we curse our father or mother, that intended life God had, we'll miss it. In the Ten Commandments, God says, don't steal, don't lie, don't murder, all those things. But number five, he says, honor your mother and your father, and it's the only commandment that has a blessing attached to it, says that if you honor them, that your days will be prolonged on the earth. So it's the only one that has a blessing attached to it. And I know that many of you, you say, well, my parents aren't worth being honored. And that's really not the issue. The issue is not that they were perfect or you know, all of that stuff, and I'm not saying you honor their neglect or, or anything. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying you honor them if for no other reason you honor them because they had the exact DNA to create you. Let me rephrase it. Without them, you wouldn't be here. So God chose them to bring you here. And God is more interested, watch this, He's more interested in your purpose than their parenting skills. So don't honor their sin, but honor that God chose them. Uncontrolled anger, no addictions, no bitterness. Here's a great one. Whoever I marry must not be selfish. Proverbs 28, 25, selfish people cause trouble. Trouble. Selfish people cause trouble. Look at the person you're dating. If you're dating, do they open the the door for you? Do they ask you about your world or do they talk about themselves all day, every day? When people talk about themselves, it's fascinating and interesting and cute for a little while, but how many know it wears off quick? If you're with them long term. Find out, are they selfish or are they generous? One of the number one causes of conflict in marriage is selfishness. I want my way, and I want my way. Nobody's willing to budge. Did you know that when you got married, that what you want is not what's important? That marriage works when you put your spouse's desires, wants, and needs above your own. Say it another way. The more unselfish I become the more me and my spouse can get along. Does that make sense? That if I'm selfish, there is no way for the relationship to work, no way to win. But if I'm unselfish, in other words, it's not about what I want. If you're one of those people, I'm gonna do what I want, when I want, bless God, and you'll have to deal with that. Not gonna be a good marriage. You have to give up your rights and pick up your responsibilities in the marriage. Proverbs 18 and 1. People who do not get along with others are only interested in themselves. They will disagree with what everyone else knows is right. Don't point at that person right now. These people make their living by being opposite. Have you ever met somebody, no matter what's said, they disagree? Like they're just, they're selfish. It's got to be their way, their opinion, what they think. The person I marry, the next one is, cannot be greedy. Cannot be greedy. This is what the Bible says about it. If you want a peaceful, successful marriage, don't get hooked up with somebody who's greedy. Look at Proverbs 15, 27. A greedy man brings trouble to his family. I would encourage you to do a little study on this and look at the damage that greed does on a family. Go do a study on that. What greed does to a family, what it does not just to the marriage, but what it does to the children, because you will always be in debt in your marriage if you get hooked up with a greedy person. You're always going to live above your means. They're never going to live within a budget. It's called greed. Proverbs 23 and 6, don't eat at the table with a stingy person. Y'all loving these verses today, aren't you? Don't eat at the table with a stingy person. One of the clearest signs of emotional health, all right? That's what we're looking for. One of the clearest signs is the opposite of the last two we discussed. We, we talked selfishness and greed. The opposite is generosity and kindness. If you really want to diagnose where somebody is emotionally, all you have to do is look. Are they generous and are they kind? Most of the time, if somebody is generous and kind, it's because they are emotionally healthy, all right? A generous man, the scripture tells us that he will prosper, and it says that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed, generous. But what about kindness? Look at Proverbs eleven seventeen: A kind-hearted woman gains respect, and a kind man benefits himself, but cruel people bring trouble upon themselves, Have you noticed in all these verses how many times the word trouble is listed? Bitterness, trouble. Uncontrolled anger, trouble. Addictions, trouble. But generosity and kindness brings benefits. It brings prosperity, and it also brings respect. As the worship theme comes, I'm going to give you one more. An emotionally healthy person tells the truth. Emotionally healthy people tell the truth. Why do I marry a person who tells the truth? Look at Proverbs 20, verse 7. A righteous person lives on the basis of his integrity. His children will be blessed even after he is gone. We all want our children to be blessed. The Scripture says that we should marry someone, hook up with someone that has integrity. Relationships are built on trust. Trust is built on truth. Ladies, if he's lying to you now, he's going to lie to you when you get married. But it'll be on another level. If they can't tell you the truth and have integrity now, I promise you, you are not going to change them. If you go into a marriage thinking, I'm going to marry him because I'm going to change them. Some of the ladies in here are thinking, I've been trying to train my man 30 years and still haven't, you know, changed him. Man, don't go into it. How many of you understand that marriage is not about trying to change the other person? That's not, if, if your goal was to change that person, man, you're going to live a life of misery. It's not about changing them. It's about being changed in God's presence so, so that I can, I can be a better spouse to them, not changing them. And so it's so important that we hook up with somebody with integrity. When you find someone who has integrity, who tells the truth, the Bible says that it will bring a blessing Not only on your marriage, but it will actually be a conduit for a blessing on your kids. That God chooses to bless your children through your marriage. But it takes integrity. It takes truth. Our culture, listen to this, our culture teaches the exact opposite. Our culture does not teach any of this. Our culture says, just find somebody sexy. I hope y'all listening. Just find somebody sexy, somebody good-looking, somebody attractive, you know? It's all about sexual attraction and how good they look, how beautiful they are, and all those. And I'm not negating that that's important. I hope that you think your spouse is good-looking, all right? But I am saying, if all that was needed to have a great marriage was for the husband and wife to be attractive, don't you think that the Hollywood marriages would be the ones that lasted the longest? Come on, y'all. They good-looking in Hollywood. Those are some attractive people. They get married, and three days later, they out. And they pretty. Like, y'all know what I'm talking about. They they pretty. They good-looking. Some of the women are like, yeah, they are. (laughs) Which one of them move up here at the Greenbrier? (laughs) But it can't be built... On just that, and I hate to tell you this, but you're not going to stay sexy forever, unless you're me. Unless you're me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm bald and overweight. All right, I'm kidding. When you're 89, come on, somebody, it's not going to be that you just sexy. You better be connected spiritually and emotionally and learn to put that person's needs above your own because we're all not going to be beautiful. I know you're beautiful and sexy right now. You're not going to be beautiful and sexy all the days of your life, all right? You're going to get old and things that used to be up are going to be down. All right? It's, it's, it's going to happen to the best of us. I don't care how much keto and running and weightlifting you do. At some point, gravity's going to have its way. And you got to build something, and you got to ask, are we spiritually unified? Do we have the same purpose in life? And are we emotionally healthy? If you receive that today, will you stand and let's give God a praise for his word today. Come on, if you got something out of it today, I hope it was a blessing to you. I had fun even if you didn't. I'll be in trouble when I get home. Not really. She's smiling. Bow your heads. Close your eyes for just a moment. I want to speak to those that are here or watching online that maybe you're not in relationship with Jesus. You don't know him as your personal savior. Maybe you're dating somebody and they know Jesus and you don't. And you've heard this message today and you realize the importance of being hooked up with someone who loves Jesus. And I'm not saying that's the only reason. The main reason to be saved is that we're all sinners. We're all broken. We all need a Savior, that we can't save ourselves. So if you're in this place today or watching online, and you you'd say, that's me, Pastor, and I need to be saved, and I want to be saved, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me today. Thank you for this one back here. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? you say, that's me. I want to know Jesus today. I won't embarrass you. And if you're online, I would love to pray. Thank you for that hand back there. God bless you. Awesome. Awesome. Anyone else? Online family, we would love to pray for you as well. I'm going to ask that every person lift their voice together, and let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We are sinners. We've committed sins. We can't save ourselves. So we ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for saving me and changing me in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give those people a round of applause. Awesome. We are glad for you. We celebrate with you. If you made that commitment today, there's a Connect card in the seat back in front of you. If you would take that card, just write your name on there and that you made a decision to follow Jesus. You can leave it in your seat. Our team will get it after service. We're going to ask our prayer team and staff to come forward and prepare uh, for this time of worship. We're going to do one more song. And if you need prayer today for anything at all, we would love to put our faith with your faith and pray for you. Let's give God one more hand clap of praise today. God bless you.